Welcome to Weight Loss with the Hodgsons. Please welcome your hosts, Ryan and Ellie Hodgson. to another episode of Weight Loss with the Hodgins. Today we are so excited because we have connected with such an awesome and lovely lady that we can't wait to introduce you to her. So here is Nick Buckley. Hello. Morning. I'm really good, thank you. Yeah, very good. Supping my tea. All is good. (laughs) Happy lady. (laughs) <laughs> so just for those of our listeners who perhaps never heard of you i'm sure they're going to know a lot about you over the next sort of half an hour but just briefly explain what do you do who are you who am i wow that's a big like question yes. to start the day, isn't it who are any of us anyway right yeah um, i am nicola buckley so i am um i'm 39 i am the happiest and healthiest i've ever been I live in a beautiful house in Cornwall on the beach and I run a business called Strong Her You. Strong Her You is a female coaching business. So I help women that have had a lot of success in their life really truly get to know who they are and what they want from life so that they know that they're enough. And I do that through what I call head and heart work. So head work, what is going on? What's the neuroscience of why you feel like you feel? So I'm a very proud geek. I've studied neuroscience for the last two years, neuroscience of change. And then the heart work is really getting them in touch with who they truly are and what they truly want. So it's not about just serving everyone else all the time, but coming back to themselves and what, what do they want from life. Perfect. I love that because I find a lot of the time with women, they never serve themselves first. It's always everybody else, yeah. everyone else, isn't and then they almost yeah. like an afterthought and there's no time for themselves. Yeah, definitely. And there's actually, there's three parts of the brain. We can go into this later on, but the actual, the second part of the brain is mammalian part of the brain. The mammalian part of the brain is from when we were living in caves, we start to stand up and we start to group together. Because if we group together, we would more likely to survive dinosaurs and saber toothed tigers and all. So we'd have caveman Dave going out and getting wood. We'd have Dave, caveman John going out and building the fires and hunting. And then we'd have the women in kind of looking after and cooking and nurturing and, and kind of raising children. So that, that is still, that's part of the brain that is hardwired for connection and love and nurturing and care. Um, and that is, that is bigger in women, physically bigger. Wow. And it's also um, kind of dosed up and heightened by estrogen as well. So just say the fact that women care so much and put everyone else first constantly, it's kind of hardwired into us. It's part of our makeup and it's part of kind of just being a woman. So if you are doing that a lot at the moment, it's perfectly natural. You're just, a, what I would say is that you're a human who is being, but how is that serving you? How's that? How are you showing up as a mum? How are you showing up as a business partner? How are you showing up at work? And actually a little bit of selfishness goes a long way. Yeah, it's almost like the fit your own oxygen mask first for helping exactly. others. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I love as well how like you connect the head and the heart together as well because a lot of people think that they don't really think about like the heads and sort of like the brain and how it works, and that possibly could be the reason for why they might be struggling or not where they want to be or where why they're not happy with themselves. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of the work that I've done over, I did, I kind of studied nutrition. So I kind of got understanding nutrition and understanding why. So very quick overview, kind of my story and how it fits in. But I was, I was in a very dark place personally about four years ago. Um, I was suffering from depression and anxiety severely. 
Um, I was struggling to get out of bed. It was a successful day if I managed to get myself up and dressed and out of bed. And um, ironically, the world externally thought that I had this great, I was in a corporate career, I was earning over £100,000 a year. Um, I had this beautiful house that I'd got after my divorce. Um, I was um, lunch, a lady that lunched. I'd go over weekend and have lunch and go shopping and had a convertible parked on the driveway, had multiple <laughs> holidays, foreign holidays, did what I want when I wanted. But I was, I was hurting inside. I had, yeah. I had no clue who I was. I don't think I'd ever known who I was. So my, my journey out of that really started with learning about my body and how to fuel it in the right way how to eat with love, I call it now. The second part then was walking into a CrossFit gym, seeing half-naked men doing weights, and then thinking, what the fuck is this? I went in <laughs> on it. It's so awesome. And then I fell in love with weightlifting out of that. And then the third part of my journey has been the last couple of years, which has been understanding the neuroscience. Um, and why, why, so effectively helping myself, first of all, and then my clients answer the question, I know what I need to do, but I don't seem to be able to do it. So what is going on in your brain when you're not doing the things that you know you should? And the amazing thing about it is that once you know why you're doing those things and you know that you're actually, your brain is just running the show at the moment, if you like, and you're just a human who is being, it means that you can let go of judgment and judging yourself and kicking your own ass. And, and you suddenly realize that you're not weak. You're not lazy. You're not stupid. You're none of those things. Your brain is just running the show. And I can, that's the bit that I teach and coach above anything else. And I call it noggin knowledge, but it's the thing that kind of helps the women that I work with really understand that what they're doing is perfectly natural. So it's, it's, it's perfectly natural to feel scared about change. It's perfectly natural to serve others first. It's perfectly natural to go back to your old habits and your ways of eating, even if they don't serve you. It's perfectly natural to feel scared about getting into the gym and starting a different training way of training. And it's, it's that understanding that it's natural. It's like, okay, so what do I do about it? How can I start to do the things that I know will serve me? So it's very much, first of all, getting them to know what they actually want. And then it's like, right, what are the steps to get there that are actually going to be working with your brain more, rather than against it? Okay, yeah. Because I know like a lot of the time people have these thoughts, like you said there, but they feel like they're the only person who has these thoughts and feelings. And it's almost like that fear of saying it out loud they, they're different. They think that they're, they're unique and they're completely yeah. different thoughts and feelings to what other people have experienced. And like you've just said there, it's, it's normal. Yeah. And I think, I think women are much more designed to share how we feel, whereas guys much more so keep it hidden away. And actually one of the biggest things that I, I can give women now is to let them know to create a safe place in my kind of tribe to say that actually you're not the only one who feels like this. Essentially, there's two human needs that we all have, and they are the, the need to be loved um, and then the need to know that we're enough. And that's kind of, everyone manifests that in a different way. Everyone shows that in a different way. Everyone has different worries and challenges and struggles through that. But that's essentially at the basis of it all. And really the work that I do is then getting them certainty in themselves so they know who they are and they know what they want. But yeah, it's perfectly natural to feel how you feel. And most people are just humans who are being, but they just think, they think that they're, like I said, weak, lazy, stupid, not enough in some way. And they're not. They just don't know how their brain's designed to work. And that's, if I can unlock that in more and more people, I'll just, I'll keep going forever. Because to me, it's, it's completely changed my world. So. 
because when you say it like that it makes perfect sense especially about the not being enough because i find like us as humans are so self-critical but we could almost if somebody else was on the other the same level as us the same plate you would never even think they weren't enough but yeah. for ourselves we're so self-critical that we almost almost feel like we're never going to be enough because as you get yeah. more and more advanced on something you're, you raise your standards almost yeah, exactly but i think my stronger exists stronger you now exists because that was my my battle through life and i don't i'm not in that battle anymore because i i know myself much more and i know my value and my worth was to feel that i was enough so you know i had the i had the convertible on the driveway i had the six-figure salary i then had the six-figure business yeah i didn't still feel enough ironically not successful enough, not attractive enough to kind of find someone, not, um, not financially kind of secure enough, not, not have enough big enough business, not kind of be as slim as I wanted, not feel like I was clever enough or just everything. And it kind of, it just affected every area of my life. So really, if you think like the, the flip side of not knowing you're enough is just when you, from a brain perspective, if you can just get absolute certainty in yourself, that's prediction and response 101. That is then the brain saying, I'm safe because I know how you're going to think and how you're going to feel. So because of that level of understanding, I still have my challenges. Like I, I always will. Mm. Everyone always will. But it's like I have a, so much more certainty in me that it's it's my life is so different now and actually that's just a process that's just being really brave and open to a process of truly truly getting to know yourself and I mean things like values and beliefs and what you truly want from life and those big deep meaningful questions but if you relate it back to neuroscience and the, the noggin knowledge it's purely because then you have certainty in yourself the brain is then feeling safe and secure so to then deal with the challenges and stay kind of in in the best way that it can perform in those challenges and i love how like you introduced yourself as like being the happiest and healthiest as well and especially like listening to you know where you were four years ago because i feel as if i can really resonate with that because before i met ryan i was in a place where I had just come out of a very toxic relationship. I didn't value myself at all. I yeah. didn't look at anyone in the eye. Um, yeah. Didn't think I was good enough even to speak to Ryan. And like now, like fast forward four years ago, four years to now, where I've been working on myself, a lot of my mindset, yeah. and kind of trying to see my worth. That now I would say, like, I'm where you are. I feel like the happiest, healthiest I've ever been. Yeah, and I think um, I think it's just underrated, isn't it? Yeah. It's really, truly underrated, that feeling of being happy. And actually, once you become happy in yourself, you then stop what I call kind of chasing happiness yes. from ex things externally to you. So when, you know, the watch or the car or the horizon pool or the, the next big trip or anything, it's like I've kind of done all, a lot of those. But ironically, they didn't make me happy. Whereas now it's very simple things that will make me happy. It's the fact that I have this beautiful house on the coast and I can go and have my business works in a way that if I plan ahead, I can go and have lunch with my, my family once a month that I love. It's just good fun. And it's, it's the small things now, the walk on the beach, if I feel myself starting to get a bit of stress and I'm, I'm there in a minute and a half. And it's really the small things now. And it just it's because I've got that certainty in myself and I'm... I've accepted everything in my life and accepted who I am and accepted my, my quirks and my flaws that some might see. It's all part, of, all part of me and I don't label them good or bad anymore. It's just part of me. 
and it's it's very very different now so yeah I can completely understand Ellie yeah I love that because often like people when we always hear like I'll be happy when I'll be happy when and it's almost like we all have the ability to be happy and happiness is inside of us it's just sort of almost connecting with that and being happy with what's actually present now rather than like you said the material things or thinking I need this to be happy yeah exactly and there's there's something that I talk about quite a lot that hopefully will help people listening but there's something that I talk about as time traveling um which I go on about a lot but actually I, I find it a really useful concept or kind of analogy so it's basically we can only really affect change we can only be truly happy when we're present and we're here and now so that will feel like you're in flow you'll feel nice and clear-headed you'll feel like your your heart rate's nice and steady and you just feel good so that's kind of here and now if you then start to flip back to the past you'll notice your language change you think oh be saying things like I wish I hadn't said this I wish I hadn't done that and there'll be kind of feelings will be bitterness and regret and judgment and things like that your time traveling back to the past but your body doesn't know any difference so the kind of physiological cascade out of that and the you know hormones going up and fight or flight you go into your parasympathetic nervous system is the same so you're not truly present so that's you're kind of living in a in something that's already done and your time your energy your focus is just a bit wasted to be honest and then flip forward faster into the future. And that's kind of taking yourself into something that hasn't yet happened. So we all want to, you know, vision and imagine that's fine. But when you start to, you'll probably be saying words like, um, oh, I wish, or I hope, or things like this are quite uncertain. <clears throat> and you'll probably be creating kind of stories. So I'm, I'm happily single at the moment. I'd love to meet someone that's not in my life at the moment. But when, I, when relationships used to break down because I'd placed so much on them making me happy, I'd then time travel forward to the story that I was going to end up being this, this woman that had like a hundred dogs, lived on her own, just spent all her money on her dog food, <laughs> lived in this bedsit alone. It's like, I don't even know where that, it just makes me laugh now. I don't even know where it came from. And it would be, yes, the loss of the relationship, but it also be the loss of my future, whereas my future's now with me. So that story doesn't play out for me anymore. And it's just that the more present people can be and the more here and now they can be, and the more they can stay in their sympathetic nervous system, their rest and digest, the better it's going to be for their body, for their mindset, for their feel-good factor, for their happiness. And the other, the other bit I just wanted to share on happiness is that we've all experienced happiness in our lives, right? We think a feeling is, is something that's kind of outside of us. that It just kind of flows into our life in a very practical neuroscience way. And the noggin knowledge behind it is that there's, you'll all have a recipe for happiness. You'll have little ingredients that kind of make you happy. So, you know, when you have a favorite film that you love and you just get a warm feeling from, or a favorite song that you can't get up and move to, or yeah, a Venger pen- Boys. <laughs> Sorry, Boys. Boys. That would be quite a, quite a moment. <laughs> we, we kind of think is this a, this big thing that we just feel a way that we feel. It's like, actually, that's complete bollocks. Our brain is quite simple. If we feed it the things that it needs, so if there's a recipe for happy that you have, being with certain people, being in a certain place, playing a certain music is a huge trigger for emotion. Being with, um, playing, watching a film, absorbing yourself like a walk on the beach, something that kind of engages the senses, you kind of become happy by default. And we think it's this, we, we don't feel like we're in control of our emotions, but actually we have a recipe for happy, we'll have a recipe for angry, we'll have a recipe for sad. 
And it's just that if you start to build the ingredients of those different things, you'll create that emotion because it's prediction and response again. It's the brain saying, oh, these are the things that make me happy. So then, you know, the hormonal cascade then flows through to be happy. Bonkers. (laughs) that's really interesting yeah I think like you said there like when you look at it imagining you doing Venger Boys Instagram stories I'm always dancing to songs like that (laughs) (laughs) but like like, yeah he is turns away but that's like your place of happy yeah and it is it's like you you said because I've always I suffer with my anxiety a lot when I look to the future yeah because I'm always like this is going to happen. And I lay out loads of scenarios in my head that are never going to happen in a million years. And it's almost like, even like now we're going to see my mom and sister. And then in my head, I'm always already start to think about things. And if I attach myself too much to the future, I'm never happy. But when I live in the moment and it's like, this is my life, I'm the happiest person in the world. And I don't have any form of anxiety or depression slipping in that I have had in the past. And I do get when I think about the future and it makes such so much sense when you've said it like that, but I've never really, yeah, never so really that concept of time traveling and just, you know, the more things that you can do to bring yourself into the here and now. So I practice and actually kind of like the different nervous systems, not to get too kind of, you know, ahead of ourselves, but just on a basic level, you you'll feel the difference. So your kind of mission is to be here and now as much as possible. You'll feel your heart rate slower. You'll feel clearer headed. You'll feel like your pace is just pace is slow and time will feel like it's going slower. Like if you're with your little girl or if you're kind of you two are just hanging out doing stuff that you love, I bet you're kind of so much more in the moment. The phone's off. You're not worrying about anything. And it's just that anyone's mission really is to stay a as human as possible and B to be here and now as much as possible. And then their life will just, their lives will improve because of that hundred percent. So do you find when you're working with um, these women that, that there's been a quite sort of like an evidence of thing then common that's that there we're too much focusing whether we're in too much focusing in the future or in the present and the past so like as if we're trying to hold on to things that aren't even yeah. now yeah great question i actually i've just started a new process with them this week and all my clients will now check in and, and say how their week's been and where they're splitting across the week so what percentage of their time have they spent across past present and future so it's kind of like that. You can almost, I can tell when they get on the phone as well, when we get on call where they are, which brain they're in and also which frame of time they're in from their language and stuff. So it kind of, everyone's a different person every day. It depends. It sounds like a bit of a get out clause, but it tends, we all know, it depends on how we've slept, how we've eaten, how, where we are in a cycle for women, um, but also which part of our brain that we're in and also where we kind of, which of those three different, kind of areas of time that we're in and it's it's I think a p- bit of my magic is being able to meet people where they are and actually being able to sit with them in the dark if they are in the dark and not no there's no judgment it's kind of just be there with them and actually that's the biggest thing that a coach does as you know to start with is just support and just being there for someone I love that yeah. so I mean obviously does that answer that I kind of went around yeah, no, yeah, it, it, it makes so much sense because like, you know, even I find, even as a mum, sometimes, like, I'll be honest, like, this morning I've had, like, a sort of stressful morning with Eva May, um, just to do with clothes. And it's like, <laughs> I then see myself, I'm questioning myself as a mum, and like, I kind of look back and I think, like, back into the past, and, like, what have I done wrong there? Did I, is it because I spoil her too much? And then I look into the future, I think, oh, my God, this is going to be my life as a mum now. We're going to have this relationship where we're just going to argue all the time. And it's like, <laughs> why am I thinking that far ahead? She's two. 
lovely by the way um one of the best things to kind of bring you back into here and now is just that we can share it with your listeners as well it's just what some breathing and just slowing the pace so just some box breathing just some imagining like even if you were to do two minutes of just like breathing in for four hold for four out for four i've got a recording that i'll share with you guys that i use with my clients oh, thank you and then just kind of kind of contractions and muscles and relaxing as well. So you're kind of bringing yourself back into your body. And even, I wish I'd had it in corporate world because I had some really stressful times in corporate world and I didn't know this tool and I would just go into meetings and be, feel myself rushing. Whereas now if I feel myself getting like that, I'll take myself off and just even like 30 seconds of slower breathing. I can feel that I'm back in my human brain. I can feel I'm more Nick. I just feel clearer again. So it's when those things happen, just stop and just like just you almost the first part is awareness just becoming very aware of what you're thinking and when you feel like you're starting to race ahead and you're starting to have judgments on yourself or this means that and and it's like the stories are starting to play and that's prediction and response as well so our brain holds all our stories in something called the basal ganglia and we're we're a meaning machine so what that means is that brain can't comprehend or analyze everything from our six senses all the time so that means that a certain proportion is of, of us and our lives are within our subconscious and I don't mean it's in a kind of deep and meaningful way I mean it in a, just a practical way and actually it was assume 98% of the time we spend in our subconscious now 99.5% of our time so you know when you've gone home from somewhere that you know really well and you've driven home yeah it's not remembered it you're in your subconscious yeah and that's just a, that mechanism is there's a trigger and then that goes into a basal ganglia, kind of gets measured by the amygdala, and then out of that comes a response. And it's just a story. It's kind of like a tape player almost. You remember, I'm quite old, so we still <laughs> tape players. So it's kind of taking the relevant tape and playing it based on the trigger. So if someone's got a habit of eating their children's food at dinner, or they've had a bad day and then they reach for the chocolate, or you had a bit of a you know tough morning with your little girl and then it's kind of that's kind of a story mechanism yeah. and that's to save us some expenditure because we can't spend all our time in our in our kind of human brain and being us because it's it's so energy intensive so the brain has to put some things on autopilot like we don't have to think about how to breathe or blink or any of those things and you touched on like uh, like eating your children's food because that's something that we've noticed that when we were speaking to um women in the past like that was a huge factor they don't even realize that they're doing it until it's like too late so i was like trying to like what's like your tips and i've had like these tips where they would literally put cleaner onto the food they don't eat it oh wow (laughs) and it's like okay well we need we need to get to the bottom of this because that's not like a healthy way of doing it there's something there's a reason why yeah should we just would it help to go through kind of habit behavior and why so that is the mechanism for a habit So would it help to kind of share how how to set in place a new, better habit? Definitely, yeah. Sounds really good. Cool. Okay. So we've kind of gone through, so habits are effectively that mechanism. So there's a trigger, goes into the brain, brain analyzes it, and then it picks out the relevant story from the basal ganglia and then plays it. That's the human response, if you like. So that's going on all the time from words, from language, from people. We just have that inbuilt. And actually, the more that we pay attention to something, the more that neuro connection becomes deeper and quicker. So the more subconscious it, so the more that you have that habit of I'm upset, I'm going to eat chocolate, the quicker it will be, the quicker it will be. So you kind of, so there's a three step process that I use with my clients 
um, that uses the acronym, which is AIR, which is A-I-R. So to start and doing those habits and set in place a new habit, the first part is awareness. And it's kind of like without being real, wake the fuck up. Yeah. So it's like, what is, what is the environment that this is happening in? And this isn't about blame or judgment or anything. What is the environment it's happening in? What's, the, what's running through your head? What's the feelings? What's the setup, if you like, for that habit just playing out? So the first part is awareness. The second part then is intention. So what is the intention behind changing this habit and the big why? So if it's the, the one that the, the example that I've used, which is the I've had an emotional day, I'm going to eat chocolate. Um, it would be actually my intention is that I want a better relationship with food. I want to fall back in love with my food. I don't want to feel bad for eating the food that isn't going to serve me. I want to have that energy to play with my children. I want to lose that bit of weight so I have a better connection and sex life with my partner the bigger intention and attach emotion to it. When I get there, I feel proud. I feel happy. I feel like I've really achieved something. And that's the big feeling behind it, which is going to be more powerful than that habit. If you see what I mean. Yeah. Uh, and then the final part is, is reps repetition, which is sets and reps. So you've got that big intention in those situations, in those environments, how are you going to change it? What's going to be a better habit for you? How are you going to move away from eating the chocolate? Is there something else that you can eat that's going to be a bit better for you? Or is it actually, you might be thirsty, or is it actually just not having it in the house? Whatever it is. And then it's sets and reps. Sets and reps, because you're setting a new neural connection. Like as adults, we have 100 trillion neural connections. And it's really kind of survival then of the fittest. It's, it's almost survival the busiest. So the more that we can kind of give to that neural connection, that new habit being laid down, it's almost like, laying down new railway tracks if you like so it's like okay that new railway track is laid down how do i make it nice and busy so that it just becomes part of the network and then it becomes one of those built-in trigger interbase ganglia and then reactions so it becomes that new habit how long that takes depends on um the amount of repetition the impact that you give it. So someone said with authority kind of told you to do this or do you feel like, and the emotion behind it. So it's kind of impact, emotion and authority. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. And it's so relevant as well because we work predominantly with women and it's like whenever we're kind of speaking to them, sometimes, you know, we get that you have these bad days and stressful days and there's that emotional attachment and it's like they feel guilty about it and one thing that we try and say to everyone that we speak to is like we get it but it's just kind of like you said first step raising that awareness wow. yeah it's, it's we you know it's kind of it is without like wake up yeah <laughs> not in a not in a guilty way not in a judging way but if you know that you're doing it start then to think about it a bit more deeply why am i doing it how do i feel what's the environment what's happened to make me you know that hate behavior what's the setup like i said what is the setup to that habit actually happening you know because i think that that's something that a lot of people will think oh well of course i'm aware of it but really they're not mm -hmm. they're doing it habitually, yeah. and it's like yeah. second nature because i'm somebody i've always emotionally ate like and it's something that i'll just have a bad day or Eva may will be like driving me crazy and <laughs> i'll just go straight into her suite because we don't have sweets for ourselves anymore because yeah. i can just eat them all in sight but i'll go to her cupboard and it's like now i've started to take steps where i know i record everything in advance so it almost removes that whilst i start recording that i can then assess the situation and be like Do you know what but yeah. two years ago i wasn't even aware of it it would just be like before i've known that i've eaten two three thousand calories and yeah exactly yeah, like <laughs> um 
just with comfort eating as well, just to say with comfort eating, it's, it's a perfectly natural thing. Because imagine like, our, a lot of our habits and behaviours and stories are laid down from when we're children. So we start, we start off, we have, we have a lot more neural connections when we're kind of children into teenagers than we do now because they're kind of pruned down. So in childhood, obviously, when we were babies, what did we... We would cry if we wanted attention, and then our mums would give us food mm. in some way. So we've had a habit of comfort eating and emotional eating drilled into us. So how many times did our mums feed us when we were young growing up yeah. in response to being upset? So comfort eating, just to say, it's not... Again, it's not actually your fault. You can change it. It's just something that was we want attention. What do we do? We eat, we get attention and then we eat. And it's kind of like, actually, that's just been, that's a habit that's been hardwired into us from when yeah. we're like for years when we were children. So it's not your fault. And we have the connection then that it's the food that's made us feel better when actually it was probably that bit of attention that we had because we wanted attention at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it might, uh, sometimes as well, we're, when we're searching for connection, we might see food as, as a way of getting connection. Mm. Yeah. Cool. That's perfect. Cool. I mean, we're going to try and run out. We could talk for hours and hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, we definitely have to more. get you on board. But if there was somebody listening now who's yeah. really struggling with that whole connection and then you were to just give them one piece of advice, what would you, what would you say to someone? Connection with themselves. Yeah. yeah. Just start to spend a bit of time each day getting to know yourself. So become a world leading authority an expert in yourself. And what do I mean by that? It's a really simple way that I would encourage anyone to do is just to start journaling. Just to, just to literally kind of, even if it's something like the, I, I give all my clients that come to the IP days or events, um, five minute journals, because women are so busy anyway, I don't want them to set, I want to set them up to win. And yeah. if you can't find five minutes in a day for yourself, there's something not right at all. So it's just like, if you start to write things down, you, you see them in it, your brain processes them kind of from a neuroscience point of view, but also you start to see things differently. You start to see what's true, what's not true. And then you start to, you know, you write stuff down and you think, well, that's ridiculous. That's not, that's never a true thing. And you start to see things differently. You process it and it, it becomes, starts to undo the process then of that just being a story that just plays. So I would just invite anyone, go out and get a nice pen, get a nice journal and just start every day, spend five minutes of whatever suits you, beginning of the day, end of the day, and just write down how you feel or get a five minute journal because it's, then it's all set up and structured for you. And like I'm I said, so if you, glad you, you know what, that. I would say the same thing. <laughs> if you can't find five minutes in a day for yourself, there's something wrong, there's something seriously amiss. Because, yeah. you know, you need, if you need to make a change, you need to do something differently. We're like massive on journaling as well, aren't we? So yeah, it's definitely something yeah. that... Yeah. You know, it's just a really easy place to start. And if you're scared by the idea of a blank sheet, go and get the five-minute journals or just get one that's kind of pre-laid out for you so it's, it's even simpler. So you're not, you're not kind of overwhelmed by a blank page. Perfect. I love it. So um, just run off. Anyone who wants to hear a little bit more about you, what you do, how can they connect with you? Yeah, so I'm on Facebook um, as Nicola Buckley. Uh, my business page is Nicola Buckley Strong Her You, um, and I have a free Facebook group called the Strong Her Revolution um, that anyone is welcome to join. We're just nudging 500 members now, and it's, it's brilliant. It's a really safe community, and I do daily Facebook Lives about all of this stuff, and there's always a noggin knowledge element to it. So, yeah, 
quality perfect all i've of... written like about four pages of notes because I've, I've taken so much from this away the whole time. Me. never mind like our listeners gonna take so much from this yeah and all of the links yeah. that nick's mentioned will be on the show notes yeah I'll, um, I'll pop across the breathing stuff to you guys as well so you have it and a couple of things to get get people started with with a couple of i call them challenges like little mini exercises that it can do over a cup of tea Thanks a lot for your time. Thank you for tuning in to Weight Loss with the Hodgins. Make sure to go over to hodginfitness.com forward slash podcast to get the show notes.